This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Join Jessica Smith on The Like a Girl podcast, where she defies odds, shares inspiring stories, and empowers women to embrace their inner leaders. Tune in for a transformative journey. So I'm back in Kentucky. Back to Eddie. I get enrolled in school. So I'm in high school at the time. And I remember when my oldest brother took me to enroll me in school and they're looking at my transcripts and the woman says, is this correct that I think it was like 400 students in my class, 1,500 total in the school? And she asks, is that, is that number right? And I said, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. And she said, wow, because I think we have like 300 students total in the entire high school. So that just goes to show the size of this high school compared to the school that I was in in Chicago. It was a big school and just a whole different world. But I was glad to be there. Most of these kids in high school were the same kids that were in that third grade class. Most of them knew me and I knew them. And I like I had just gotten out of At that time, I really didn't have a real good appreciation for the last three years, give or take, that I had spent in my sister's home. I felt there were too many rules. She took my red lipstick. She took my cigarettes. I couldn't smoke. I had to be in at 8 o'clock every night. There were just too many rules. I had no idea what I was leaving behind. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be grown. So I went to school every day, not because anyone woke me up in the morning and made me go to school. I got good grades, not because anyone asked the grade I got on my algebra test on Friday. I actually loved school. At this point, 
I still had dreams of going to college, going to Murray State University, becoming a teacher. Those things were still in the back of my head. I still wanted to be something. I still wanted to be someone. However, I also wanted to party and have fun. So back then, the thing to do was you would drive to the surrounding towns that were like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour away. That's where all the action was. That's where the the boys were. That's where the parties were. So, you know, I had my friends that I hung out with. And in most cases, they were always girls that were older than me. And we would hang out and we would stay out late. I would come home one o'clock, two o'clock. And even though I still woke up the next day and went to school, it got to the point where my brother and his wife would say, we need to have a talk. Okay, what do we need to talk about? Well, you just do what you want to do like you're grown. You leave out of here and you go to school and then you come home and you run the streets and you don't come back till we don't know what time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I came here. There were too many rules at the police department where I came from in Chicago with Officer Lane. And my brother and his wife said, well, if you want to be grown, then you have to do what grown people do. And I'm like, what's that? You have to pay bills around. Now, they knew that I still received a Social Security check every month from my dad. So as long as you're not 18 and you're still in school, which was another incentive for me to go to school, by the way. I still got to check every. Well, little did I know that was a big part of the discussion of why my brother and wife even agreed to let me come and stay there. So they made a deal with me. Remember, I'm in high school at this point. And the deal was, if you want to be grown and come and go as you please, then you have to pay bills every month. Now, we didn't have a mortgage or rent because the house was paid for. John Lane paid for the house in cash. The house was not in his name, 
it was in my uncle's name, of course, because he didn't have the job to back up where he would get $80,000 in cash to pay for this house. But we still had monthly bills, the light bill, the gas bill, the water bill, and all the other good. So they gave me a certain amount of money that I had to pay every month. And I said, okay, fine. I will pay bills, but now I'm grown. So don't tell me what time I can come in. Don't ask me where I'm going. That's the deal. We all agreed. Well, one night, my brother and his wife were drinking. And she, as I said earlier on, he had brought her to Kentucky from Chicago. She had three children. They had a fourth child while they lived there in the house. And the hope was that she would get off drugs. And like everybody, she eventually found the drugs. He was also a drug addict, but she probably had a bigger problem with alcohol than than drugs. And my brother really wasn't a, a drinker. But sometimes he would drink with her, and it never ended well. So this particular night... She asked me if she could borrow a few dollars. And I said, no, I'm not going to contribute to your habit. Well, she didn't like that. I had no intention of going out that night. So I went in my room and I laid down and maybe about an hour later she came back and I realized that she was drunk. And she said, asked if I could borrow some money and I'll pay you back. And I said, and I said, no. It happened so fast. I don't even remember seeing the knife in her hand. And this knife goes way back because it was a very old big, like, butcher's knife with a green handle. And my dad often used it in the kitchen. And that knife was still in that same kitchen years later. But that particular night, within seconds, it was at my throat. And... I just remember thinking, I'm dead. This is it. Here's my life. It ends here. But the look in her eyes was one of someone who was 
possessed is the only thing I can think of to describe it. And I can't even tell you how we got from that position to me getting to the door somehow and opening the door to run out and her on my back with her teeth like a dog, like a vicious dog. And she just took a chunk out of my back. And the next thing I remember is I was in the emergency room getting the shot, getting stitches. She bit a chunk out of my back. And I have the scar to this day to prove it. She tried to kill me that night because I would not borrow her money for drugs. So everything kind of blew over. Of course, I wasn't going to press charges or call the police or anything like that. And and this was one of many. That particular one stands out. One, like I said, I have the scar on my back to this day. And that was probably the worst one. But there were so many times where she was violent. She was crazy. My brother had been stabbed multiple times by her, which is why I thought I was dead because I had witnessed her violently cut him many times before. But I think that was when I knew that something had to give. And I probably started spending more time away from home after that incident. I didn't leave because I didn't have anywhere else to go. And maybe about a month later, I found myself in a similar situation, but this time it was with my brother. Now, my brother is not, and this is my oldest brother, he's not a violent guy. He was with a very violent woman, but he's he's not a violent guy. And as I mentioned, he's not a drinker either. So when he used to drink every now and then, he would really get out of character. This particular evening he was drinking, and I can't even remember what the circumstances were. I'm sure it was about drugs or money and of some sort. And he grabbed me by the throat and he was choking me. Just so happened that earlier that day, I had met 
a man at the grocery store. And we exchanged numbers. He told me that he was a construction worker and he was staying in town at the hotel for the next week or so until the job that he was doing was complete. I took his number and I really didn't have any intention on calling him. But that night when I found myself being choked by my brother, I picked up the phone and I called him. And he came and picked me up. I went back to his hotel with him. And he asked if I wanted to stay there since it was obvious that I was in danger at home with my brother. He saw that I had marks on my neck from my brother choking me. And I said, sure. I ended up staying in that hotel room with this man who, thinking back, if I had to guess, might have even been in his mid-30s, maybe 40s. The sad part is that I couldn't even tell you his name. Zero recollection of his name, where he was from. I can't even picture his face. Eventually, I went back home. Things blew over. Everything was back to normal. Whatever normal was. Went back to school. And I can't even tell you what the circumstances were that I'm headed back to Chicago. This was just kind of our thing between myself and my brother that's closest in age. We'd go to Kentucky and things got bad and we'd go back to Chicago. 
and then we get in some kind of trouble and then we go back to Kentucky. I think the turning point was just knowing that I'm in this home where it's clear that they only want me there because I'm paying bills. So I make it back to Chicago. And this time I go to my mother's sister's home. Now this might sound a little confusing, but my mother and her sister both were married to Lanes. So my uncle, which was my mother's sister's husband, was actually my cousin as well on my dad's side. So his dad and my dad were brothers. So basically, Pauline says, hey, sis, I want to introduce you to my husband's nephew. I think you guys will get along. They end up getting married. So this particular aunt was always my favorite aunt. And she was my favorite aunt for multiple reasons. The first reason was her and my mom were like best friends. She lived across the street from us in Chicago. Growing up, her kids my mom's kids, we were those cousins that were really close. We lived across the street from me. And then the other reason she was my favorite aunt is because she was the cool aunt. And we all know what the cool aunt does. The cool aunt lets you drink and maybe even buys the drinks for you. She was the cool aunt. You could talk to her about anything. And she was just like one of the girls. Now, unfortunately, she had the same drug and alcohol addiction as Pauline. And by the way, my grandfather was also 
an alcoholic. So Pauline and her sister really inherited this alcohol addiction. Now, thankfully, my grandfather is in his 90s and still alive today and has been clean for many, many years. But the truth is, he passed that on to his children. So I call my cool aunt up and I'm like, I got to get out of here. Can I come stay with you guys? Now, at this time, my cousin, her husband is the VP of Bank of America. He goes to work every day. He has a suit. They have a big house in a nice suburb outside of Chicago. And they took me in. Shortly after I got there, I'm loving it right off the bat. They live in a nice suburb. They live in a big house. I'm going to a great school. They have three sons. Two of them we grew up with. These are my favorite boy cousins. One of them, I'm a little closer in age. And I'm excited. He's excited. We're going to the same high school. I'm pumped. Maybe I can actually graduate from high school and go to college. Because these kids in this school, they go to college. Well, I find myself at the doctor's office with my aunt and once again and this isn't too far after the first nightmare. This time, the words out of the doctor's mouth are, not only are you pregnant, young lady, you are very pregnant. Do you not feel a baby moving around inside of you? I'm in shock. 
how could this be happening again? The doctor says, we, we need to do an ultrasound right now. I left there with images of my baby boy. I was told this time my choices were to keep him or give him up for adoption. And I had to decide which is it going to be. I think the worst part about that night is when I closed my eyes and the shame and the guilt I don't even know who the father is I have an idea But one of them, I don't even know his name. That shame and that guilt weighed heavy on me for years. Thirteen years to be exact. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of Lead Like a Girl. We hope you found today's podcast valuable. If you enjoyed our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your preferred platform. Your feedback is crucial in helping us continue to provide high quality content. If you found the content inspiring, we would like to encourage you to share this podcast with your network. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and leadership insights on Lead Like a Girl. Until next time, lead with passion and purpose.